Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote joining me as always. Josh Kaiser out on vacation uh, for our last couple of episodes uh, for this season. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough for sponsoring this show. Be sure to check them out if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. Jordan, um, can the Chiefs have Puka Nakua, please? Um, I, dude, I'm convinced that if they had Puka, he might not be Puka. Like everyone, no, remember, but like, still, it would be nice. It, it, he'd be an upgrade over, like, I don't know. Mahomes is like the opposite of Stafford in that Mahomes wants to get everybody the ball, and Stafford's like, if you're not Cooper Cup, I'm not throwing you the ball this year. It's if you're not Puka, I'm not throwing you the ball. So I don't know. He'd still be really good, but like I'm not quite sure he'd be Puka if he was a chief. Do you think Puka's going to like come back down to earth and turn into a pumpkin when Cooper, Cooper Cup comes back? As a wideout one, definitely. Like I think he'll still be a good wideout too, and they play different enough roles to where it won't be a big deal. But like, is he going to be putting up 120 yards a game or whatever? Yeah, 12 for 120 every week. Yeah. yeah, no, no way. I'd be surprised if he did that, you know, more than once the rest of the season once Cup comes back. If Cup ever comes back, because he's over 30, I believe, and also has a hamstring. So we'll see. Sounds like it's going off the IR, but I, I guess we'll see. It's, it's just like it's crazy watching. So just out of nowhere, just tearing it up. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously the, the MLB playoffs are happening right now. There's There were some solid games earlier today in the wild card. I missed the one game wild card. Like day, I think obviously just because we have an emotional attachment to it with 14. But some of these three game sets are, are going to be really good. I thought, of course, I made a parlay of all of my picks for day one and I'm 0 and 2. So at about to be 0 and 3, I think if, if uh, Arizona wins. So, you know, off to a good start. I really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but hey, man, the, the Royals ended their season on on a really good note. Uh, sweeping the God, I got to go back and look schedule it's just such a blur like it, it became such a blur at the end mm-hmm. trying to like yeah. win all of this with football with football season but i mean you you sweep the um you sweep the astros they get swept by the tigers yeah. and then you come back and win two or three against the yankees to end the year final record is 56 and 106 they tie the franchise record for losses but did not break it which they were on pace to do for a very long time this season uh, you know, last month of the season in true Royals fashion, they, it seems like they kind of got some things figured out and guys stepped up and, and played well down the stretch. And one of those guys is a guy that did it for the last couple of months and, and turned himself into a superstar, Bobby Wood Jr. He hit his 30th home run of the season uh, there on, I think it was that Friday night game against, uh, and they were, they just absolutely whacked the Yankees like 12 to five Rodon uh, didn't get out of the first inning, didn't record an out. Like it was absolutely wild, but he gets that 30th home run. It was the first 30, 30 season in Royals history. Obviously the first 30, 42 is he had 49 stolen bases. He couldn't quite get to 50, uh, but still an absolutely remarkable season, a season that the Royals needed him to have. We, we talked about it early in the year. Like if the Royals are going to do anything, not necessarily this year, but moving forward, it has to be the Bobby Wood Jr. Becomes a superstar. And he did, mm-hmm. he became that. And, He's going. I'll be curious where like the down ballot MVP votes fall for him. The AL kind of gets really muddy after Otani. Uh, I have no idea who's going to end up being the actual finalist. Probably Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager. And then after that, it's he's going to be battled with like Kyle Tucker and Julio Rodriguez and yeah, uh, you know those guys for that kind of five, four, five, six sort of spot and. I know I don't think he actually has a vote, but Mike Petriello of MLB.com, who I whose opinion I hold in pretty high regard, had Bobby fifth in his MVP power ranking. And he had him winning a uh, gold glove too. So that's the kind of season that he had. Um it wasn't just an offensive onslaught, like he played gold glove caliber defense all year. It was awesome to see in a year that was an absolute disaster from jump street, Bobby became the guy that we all thought he could be. 
Yeah, no, he was insane. And we'll peel back his season numbers and stuff like that later on in the show. But for him to consistently figure it out, like he started off a little bit slow. And I think we had a pod in like May where we were like, okay, he needs to do X, Y, and Z in order to salvage this. And he did X, Y, Z, then started back at ABC. But just like kept going exactly and kept going and was just absolutely fantastic. So um, for him to join the 30-30 club, obviously very rare in Royals history for someone to do it. He's the the guy and uh, to do 30-40, almost get 30-50. It was better than a lot of people imagined. And as someone who hasn't always been the highest on Bobby Witt Jr., I was surprised that he did it all this quickly in the same season. Like this is something that most players would do over an off season and then come back and start the next year hot. He had kind of a tale of two seasons and really for June, July, August, and September was just consistently awesome. So it was definitely uh, good for the Royals that he figured that out. What's wild is, and I, I, I tweeted it when I posted his final stats of the year that he's just scratching the surface. And it's not necessarily that I got pushback, but I bet people looked at that and like, did he really? He's still, his expected stats are still crazy. Mm-hmm. So like he hit 276 yeah. on the season. The expected is 297. He slugged 495. The expected is 535. And that was kind of the story of the season early on, even when he was struggling, so to speak. All of the expected numbers and like all the batted ball data is like he's going to break out at some point. And then he did, and he's still not performing to the expected level, which makes you think there is another jump to this. Mm-hmm. Like, now I don't, I don't believe that, like this is kind of crazy and out there. Like, Mark Burroughs is like, and Acuna type 4070 season is not like out of the realm of possibility for this guy. That'd be so insane. It That'd be ridiculous. Be but like, can you but I can see it happening, especially mm-hmm. if he starts walking a little bit more and he continues to keep that strikeout rate where it is. He's making enough contact and doing enough damage on basically every type of pitch at this point. It's not like he's getting bullied by fastballs anymore. Like he could be that guy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And like he's still only 23 years old. Going 30, 50, came near 30, 50 in his second big league season. Like, he is just scratching the surface. And if this is what he's doing now, as he is like just now figuring it out, oh my God. Yeah. And even if he isn't, like, even in the worst case scenario where I don't think there's a worse, worst case where this isn't what he's going to be for his career, if he's this for the rest of his career, he's still a damn good player. He's still a top 10, 15. He's still a franchise cornerstone, which. There were moments where he struggled and there were people and I'm not going to throw myself necessarily right in there, but people are like, okay, maybe he's just going to be a good player for his whole career. He's ascended from that to a great player. And now the worst case is, okay, Royals, you have a Salvador Perez type career where he's a great player for five, six, seven, eight years, face of the franchise, except he also steals bases, except he also plays elite defense. Like it is... Um, nothing bad to say about what he was able to do. And really, I'm going to take mine. Nothing bad to say about Zach Greinke's final start of the season and maybe of his career. I'm not going to speculate, but it could be um, five innings, four hits, one earned, two walks, and two strikeouts. The final 10 games of the season, he wasn't always starting those. He was coming out of the bullpen. The Royals were experimenting with openers, stuff like that. Um, 40 and two thirds innings pitch, 31 strikeouts to eight walks, a 3.98 ERA with a 3.99 FIP. So got good once he came back from, um, he was on the injured list for a little bit, had a little bit of time where he was very, very, very temporarily kind of quieted, shut down. Um, on the year, 142 innings, 5.06 ERA. He was worth one win. He was fine. It, it was kind of a step back, a small step from last year. The guy's like 39 years old. He's got yeah, to be more it like it's in the show. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And with that 225 career wins over 3,300 innings pitched, almost 3,000 strikeouts. He was 21 short at the end of the year, um, but a 3.49 ERA, 39th all time in wins above replacement on fan graphs. Like one of the very best careers in big league history for a starting pitcher. It's not hyperbole. It just was. Um, the Cy Young Award that he won at such a young age, continuing to dominate well into his 30s, be a viable pitcher into almost his age 40 season. Again, we don't know if he's coming back 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Zach Greinke didn't even know if he was coming back yeah. just because yeah. of how he is. But um, it was a good way to go out for this year and potentially, we're not sure yet, potentially a good way to go out for the rest of his career. I get the vibe just because there were some things that were very not Zach Grinky-like at the end of that start that made me think, okay, I think that was it for him. Yeah. Um, and he's mean, not and he would he wouldn't have been the guy to go, oh, yeah, this is it, and then do the swan song thing. That's just not his thing. But when he walks off the mound, cracks a smile, he's acknowledging the crowd, he looks for his family, waves at them, tips his cap. And he's in the dugout smiling and laughing with his with his teammates as he's making it. And they're like, no, you got to go back out. He goes back out, does the curtain call, smiles at the crowd. That's not as that's not that great. He is very stoic, very serious. Like that's so to see that the kind of the personality break makes me think it was one of those, like I think he just walked off the mound for the longest yeah. time in the in the show. And to do it for 20 years, especially with all the things he dealt with early in his career with the the mental health and the anxiety issues, for him to come back, dominate for well over a decade in the big leagues, win a Cy Young, damn near win another. If Jake Arrieta didn't go nuts in 2015, Zach Greinke had a, he had like a 170 RA that year in LA. It was crazy. And then to come back, bookend his career in Kansas City, he was a surefire Hall of Famer. I think he's going to wear a KC cap on his plaque in Cooperstown. His speech in Cooperstown is going to be an all-timer because we have no idea how that's going to go. But it it was cool to see him come back and end his career. I know it did not go the way he wanted or the way the Royals wanted, but um, to not be like an abject disaster at 39 and 40 after 20 years in is a pretty impressive feat for any pitcher. It doesn't always go that way. Look at, unfortunately, Adam Wainwright. And how his season went this year outside of getting his 200th win. You know, credit to Zach. And I know that the organization, all those young guys, had nothing but good things to say about him the last couple of years. Uh, so it was very, it, it was fun. I know that it wasn't great, but it was fun to see him come back and, and finish his career that way. Couldn't agree more. Yep. So uh, today, uh, we're recording on Tuesday as always. Uh, J.J. Piccolo and Matt Cotrero had a press conference in the media. It lasted about 40 minutes or so. Um, no, we were not able to get out there and watch it, so we just kind of took the cliff notes from social media and Andy Rogers' article on uh, MLB.com. Just some some notes from uh, what was said. The first thing they noted was that the entire coaching staff was coming back next year. There were no uh, no firings or, or anything like that, which is, I, I'd have to go back and see how unprecedented that is because it feels that way when you have a season that's 56 and 106 like usually have a fall guy in there somewhere yeah 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 i think that one side was so bad that Mm -hmm. they were worthy of that happening you know like i don't think the hitters were so awful that alex zumwalt needed to go or it was a one and done thing for sweeney and Bo. like i don't think it was that i'm okay with having some continuity moving forward like i think there is some importance to that. I know fans want to be, you know, hairpin trigger, like fire everybody. Like that doesn't lead to success very often when you continually do those things. And like, I think you can look at Baltimore as a little bit of an example of this where like Brandon Hyde was with those teams for a few years where they were losing 110 games. And then they stuck through, they had that continuity and now they're, you know, moving to playoffs. I'm not saying the Royals are going to, and on a similar trajectory, but that's something to look at. And they did mention as well that they are looking to, they are not going to seek it, like it's a sure thing, but they are going to look into bringing in additional staff, you know, from outside the organization uh, to help supplement what they already have, which I think is good. They need more outside voices. We've talked about that before uh, in various aspects of the front office and the coaching staff. So maybe they do something similar with what they did with Sweeney and Bove where it's we're going to bring in two guys from different organizations to work with our guys and work with the people already here. Let them kind of bring their knowledge with what we, our philosophy, what we want to do. Maybe they do that on the hitting side. Alex Zumwalt's been around for a very long time in this organization, and that's great. I think maybe you bring in somebody else to help aid in that hitting side from another organization, like the Dodgers or something like that. Maybe they can bring in something to help the approach or help with development, whatever the case may be. Uh, 
but I thought it was interesting that they're retaining everybody. I'm not shocked by it. I'm not like angry about it. It was just like, I was very surprised to see that after a season that went the way it did. Yeah, no, definitely. And like in, in a world where they did make a change, it'd probably be the GM. It'd be the guy that was bringing in the personnel or the guy that was signing the players or making these transactions. The Royals had good enough results with some of the things they did with pitching, some of the things they did with hitting with the trades they made. Like, yes, the team was an abject disaster this year compared to um, record expectations, but they did have enough positives to keep people around. And like, I agree that the collaborative aspect is good and whether it's good quality or not remains to be seen. But like the fact that they're humble and they're not arrogant pricks for lack of a better term, because some front offices do have those guys that think they're, you know, what doesn't stink and they just want to do things their way. The Royals don't have that. The Royals have a lot of guys that are still kind of wet behind the ears, still looking to prove themselves, but they also are willing to get help from others and help others. So um, the staff stuff didn't really surprise me per se, but it did jump out if that makes sense. Like it's noteworthy, even if that's kind of what people expected. So moving to the kind of the player personnel side, but the, the quote that stuck, stuck out the most was JJ was like, yeah, the bullpen is going to be addressed. They are going to bring in new arms to the bullpen. Now, I think there are some guys that are younger that I think did solidify themselves and are going to, if they didn't solidify a spot, they're at least going to be in the mix to be in there. But they need some veterans in there. They yeah. need some trade chips. <laughs> they need guys that, in that role, the Chapman kind of mode, like a one-year deal, kind of work in anonymity here in Kansas City, get good, and then we can trade you to a contender you know, maybe that's the case again this season. They said the infield seems pretty set for 2024. I agree with that. I yeah. Garcia is going to probably be a gold glove winner at third. My Bobby Wood Jr., obviously. Michael Massey <laughs> plays great defense there and showed flashes at mm-hmm. second base. And then obviously you're going to bring back Vinny. You're not going to worry about that. He pretty much gets a mulligan because he was hurt. Yep. And then they're looking for competition and potential bats in the outfield again, looking for another quarter outfield guy. Uh, to compete with MJ and Nelly Nukes and Olivares, Tyler Gentry, the like. They did. Well, if you could talk for just a second, there was a quote that JJ said that basically, yeah, said, we've seen so, the evaluation side, and now yeah. we need to bring in the comp- the competition. Yeah, yeah, and this year they were big on that from the onset. Like back when we talked to JJ in February, and then again, I believe in March, um, when they were in spring training they wanted to have this be an evaluation year and they got most of the evaluation done that they needed to. Um, There isn't a ton, like you can still say, okay, well, let's see if Chris Bubich's improvement was legitimate or Daniel Lynch's improvement was legitimate. Like guys that were hurt that the sample size wasn't big enough, that's viable. But they also got a ton of proof for better or worse, good or bad from guys that do or don't belong. So um, the quote there made sense. And there was the quote about the wins that I think we are going to address at some point, right? Yes. So, yeah, I, I didn't bring in competition for anybody at this point. Yes, it's, it's fine. Good. Like, there are very few spots that I'm like, yes, that person is nailed down to their position. Yeah. Like, Mostly shortstop, probably don't need to bring shortstop, in a guy. First base. First yeah. base. I think yeah. we're good to go. Um, yeah. Catcher to a degree. Yeah. Um, there was a quote that went out that made its rounds on social media. And I don't think the person that tweeted it out meant for it to be out of context, but it, when you get the full quote, it did end up that way where the, the tweet essentially said, you know, we're looking to be in the 80 to 85 win range next year. That's like a 30 some odd win improvement. I looked it up today. Uh, There have been 13 seasons in the divisional era since 1969 in which teams have improved their win total by 27 or more, 13 times. So it would be very unprecedented for that to be the case. So here is the quote from JJ. Right now, I can't sit here and say that 24 is the year we're going to definitely win the division, but we expect to get better, and I don't think it's going to take a whole lot. If you look at our division, there's a lot of parity. If we're in that 85 win range, you're going to be in some sort of race. So basically, it is a, we're probably not going to be that good this year, but if we break out, it's not going to be a, we're not going to need 45 extra wins to do it. Like, it might be 25, and we're there. Do I think they're going to win 25 more games next year? 
No. Crazier things have happened. Hope springs eternal. But I think it's just that's a little more realistic nuance to it. Um, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is not um, <laughs> this is not going to be a th- twenty five to thirty win improvement, but if we get there, we know that we have a shot. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to pull a twenty twenty two Baltimore or two thousand eight uh, Tampa or twenty eleven Arizona or twenty thirteen Boston. Um, I, I think he's right with that sentiment for the most part. The only other thing I had that stuck out from what he said. Um, Reagan Senior. Ugh, let's try that again. Reagan's Singer and Lyles in the starting rotation to open the year. Um, the other two spots up for grabs, I would assume Daniel Lynch probably takes one of those, and then they bring in somebody to take the fifth. That's kind of what I'm thinking, and they said expected. Things could obviously change, and say they make a trade for a controllable starting pitcher, they're going to plop them in the starting rotation, and Lyles can go to the bullpen or something like that. Like. I'm okay with that being the preseason blend. I've I've said my piece about Jordan Lyles before, and again, it's nothing against the human being. It's just the contract and why the hell did you sign him in the first place is what it is. Um, and did, you, did you have any final thoughts on anything else that they said regarding anything else? Nope. Cool. Well, we're going to take our first break, and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us all season. Only a couple episodes left here of like regular content for, you know, if something crazy happens during the off season, we're obviously going to get you guys uh, something here in, you know, the middle of December, but baseball season has, has reached in. Hopefully in the next couple of years, we're able to pod into October because the Royals are actually competing. That'd be great. Um, So Jordan and I are now going to look at like some of the positive surprises, developments, throughout this season and then the the negative side on the back end of another break but i'm going to start with uh 
my favorite thing from this season. Obviously, Bobby turning into a star speaks for itself, and I know you're going to dive into that a little bit more, but one of the things that I think is the most important takeaway from the season was I think JJ made some fantastic trades for players this year, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. I know that people do not have their kind of preconceived notion bias against JJ because he's been here for so long, but he deserves a ton of credit for going out and getting Cole Reagan's Nelson Velasquez and James MacArthur specifically to supplement the big league roster immediately. I know we made fun of those trades in the past with the Royals where it's, we're going to trade for big league ready guys, but those big league ready guys are like quad dudes that are like, okay, they're fine. I guess. Yeah. I think you have three legitimately good players here. Cole Reagan's goes without saying he was one of the best pitchers in all of baseball for the last two months of the season. He was great solidified himself as the top of the rotation piece for the Royals for years to come. AL Pitcher of the Month in August. We didn't see that coming at all in the Aroldis Chapman trade. We were like, oh, sure, Cole Reagans might be decent. And then we get him, and we're like, why about that third star? And we're looking at each other like, oh, shit, this guy's actually like really, really good. And it's exciting to have that type of guy because they needed it so badly because Brady Singer took a huge step back this year. The injuries to Singer and Lynch... I heard to to Bubich and Lynch, my, my apologies, that they, they needed a win day guy. They needed something every fifth day where they could turn the rotation over and go, we at least have a shot today. Cole Reagans became that guy. Nelson Velasquez, I think he just needed an opportunity. He wasn't going to get it in Chicago in a log jammed outfield. He came over 14 home runs. He had 36 hits and he had 14 home runs for the Royals. The, you know, I think the waiter and straight plus is around 115, 120. He, I think, has solidified himself as we've talked about in the past. He's going to be a guy that's going to you're going to pencil him into right field or DH on opening day, and you see if he's able to continue to sustain this. Seems like I think he can. Like at least early on, early returns are solid, and he has options if that does, if it doesn't work out at the beginning of next year, and you can let him reset and come back up. But you found you found an outfielder out of here for Jose Quas. Why you trade your relievers? Because there are opportunities like that for Nelson Velasquez. Come back. Now he's in Kansas City. And the Royals have a legitimate impact. Right-hand power bat to go along with Salvador Perez and Bobby Wood Jr. And then a trade that was pretty unassuming at the time. And like kind of flew under the radar. Just because it was a minor league for minor league deal. And getting James MacArthur. He had, as we've talked about. One of the worst major league debuts I have ever seen. And I feel so bad for the guy that that was how he was welcomed to the big leagues. And then he goes, he just threw the one game and he comes back and I was sitting there thinking, that was his one chance and I think he's done. I don't know if they're going to bring him back up. He comes back up on August 6th and when you take out the seven earned runs in one inning that he had in that, in that game, he had a 2.01 ERA, a 2.05 FIP in 22 and a third innings. He didn't give up a run the entire month of September. And he hadn't given, yeah, the entire month of September, he didn't give up a single run. It was one of the best season, like, like months for a pitcher in Royals history. It was like a sub 300 OPS. I can't remember who tweeted it. I wish I could give credit, but it was remarkable. Strikeout numbers, the curveball is as advertised. It's one of the best pitches in the Royals staff, period. And one thing the Royals needed so badly after Scott Barrow left was a guy that can close out the ninth inning. Carlos Hernandez wasn't that guy. John McMillan looks like he could be that guy, but James MacArthur looks super comfy in that role, man. Like, the Royals need a guy that can close out the back end of games because oftentimes, like, we'd see Taylor Clark, Carlos Hernandez, like, they would throw the couple of guys in that bullpen, you know you can go get outs. And then the ninth inning roll around, and I was like, God, who the hell is going out in the ninth inning? <laughs> You can apparently get it to James MacArthur. He's going to shove it up their ass. Like, that's just yeah. how it's work. And again, for a under-the-radar, like a minor league for minor league deal that no one really thought much of at the time, it turns out they they found a gem. They found, at least early on, that's how it seems. And he is one of those guys that I think completely solidified himself in the 2024 bullpen right now. They're going to add more guys. But with this last month and what he showed in multiple roles, fireman in the seventh inning, set up, close in the ninth, everything seems to be working out right there for, for James MacArthur. If they would have had 
a external hire that wasn't JJ Piccolo. And it was a guy from another organization that didn't have the uh, Dayton Moore attachment. And he made these moves. People would be like, this guy's a genius. This guy knows yeah. what the fuck he's doing. This guy had a great first year on the job. We feel optimistic about him heading into year two. He passed the first test with flying colors. And Piccolo showed he wasn't Dayton Moore. Every month, every week, pretty much every day, followed through on his word, which is something that wasn't always happening with the previous yeah. regime. Kind of said what he was going to do and then just went out and did it. Was very upfront with how he was going to do stuff. Managed expectations a lot better than the previous regime. On top of that, made three shrewd moves at the deadline or throughout the season that worked out. And whether the low outcome is Cole Riggins can't stay healthy, he's going to be, I think, with what they figured out, at the worst, a really solid rotation arm. That is extremely valuable for Roldis Chapman. At worst... Uh, they're going to get James MacArthur to have enough stuff to be an intriguing bullpen piece. They're going to have Nelson Velasquez be a true power bat that maybe strikes out too much to be an everyday player. Maybe it's just a DH or a part-time guy or an upgrade over Edward Olivares. You can get a new shiny toy that can be your right field DH experiment. Like No matter what, they figured that out. Um, they also figured out Bobby Wood Jr. again. Turned into a legitimate star player. Hit 276, 319, 495. That was his slash line. 115 WRC+. plus. Walk rate went up 1%. Strikeout rate went down 4%. The BABIP was the exact same. He hit 30 home runs. He stole 49 bases. He drove in 96 runs. Um, the 11th most valuable player in baseball per fan graphs. 98th percentile outs about average. Um, 100th percentile sprint speed, like no matter what number you look at, Bobby Witt Jr. either improved at it or was great at it compared to the rest of his peers. And like you mentioned the expected stuff earlier, um, that was fantastic. That's my big surprise slash takeaway. I guess development is probably the umbrella it falls under. Um, this didn't surprise a lot of people. It minorly surprised me just because of how he started off the year. The guy caught up and made up so much ground in a season. It's not like he was a train wreck to start the year. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. But like it was, he was, it was fine. Fun. Yeah. He didn't make the leap to start the year. And everyone was like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. And then he did make the leap and then made it again and then had an all-time heater and then finished off the year pretty damn good. So um, that's the biggest deal for the Royals this year is that they figured out they do have a objective star level building block. They have a good one in Michael Garcia. They have another good one in Vinny Pasquantino. They have what we think is a good one in Cole Reagans. They have an okay one in Brady Singer. They've got a couple more okay ones. Like that's the big one. I have, I guess I only have one more takeaway from this year. That's positive. Do you have anything else? No, I was just going to talk about I, this. I love looking at the slash line for Bobby since the walk-off Grand Slam, because that was the turning point. Like, we actually have a, a legit data point of, yeah, yeah. oh, that's when it all clicked. From September, July 28th on, 323, 369, 598, a 156 way to run created plus, 14 homers, 21 stolen bases, and five triples in that time. It's ridiculous. Um, the number It only struck out 13%. It's insane. You you mentioned, I remember it was like a, a late July, early August pod. You were like, usually when guys start swinging like this and start making contact, it goes through their head and they strike out more or at least the same. He cut it down, which is almost unheard of for him to do that. Yeah, to find the power without sacrificing sweetness yes. is nuts. Like yeah. You just don't see it, especially from young hitters like this. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, the only other positive i had the last cousin you nailed that with the the jumping it in um, lumping it in with two other moves freddie for developed into a really solid backup catcher he played 70 games he had a 108 wrc plus walked five and a half percent of the time struck out 21 percent of the time had nine home runs um 45th percentile blocks above average 82nd in called strikes above average like Everything on defense was average, if not a little bit better. Now, August 1st to the end of the year, he did cool off. He had a 79 WRC plus and 
this is kind of where we thought he'd be, though. Like when it was 150, yeah. everyone said, okay, well, he's not going to be a 70, 80, 85 guy, but he's also not going to be a 150, 140, 130 guy. He's probably going to settle in around 100, and that's where he did at the end of the year. If he can give you average offense, slightly above average, I guess, for a catcher and average defense, that might be more than another catcher on the Royals can give you, like depending on if he's run down or if he ages even worse. Like we'll talk about him after the break and after uh, Joel absolutely conquers another DK read. But Freddie Fermin turned into a legitimate piece and you can bring up the age. You can bring up, is he a starter? Is he a, a 55, 60, 70 game a year guy? He's shown he can be a 70 game a year guy. And that's good for the Royals because they don't need Salvador Perez full time. They're clearly not going to put MJ Melendez back there. They don't have a ton of guys right now that are ready to catch behind the plate. So it was a positive development and it was not the biggest one, but to have a good backup catcher is to have a good backup catcher. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he was a like above league average hitter is a win in and of itself. Like most backup catchers are not that type of guy. I'm going to do a quick look up here of like where he was in all, like amongst all catchers with his like plate appearances just to see where he stacks up. Cause there can't be many more that were increasingly better than that. So it, it's just, it's a really interesting thing that the Royals have and good for him too. Cause like, he's 28 years old. Like, it's not like this was a, you know, uh, you know, it's not like it was a Salvador Perez scenario where he was 21 sure. years old yeah, yeah. coming up to the big leagues. Like it, it was not that at all. So for him to to come up and be that guy is is very impressive. So Freddie Fermeed was 13th among all catchers with at least 230 plate appearances. It yeah. went runs created plus. Like that plays. It, it plays as a starter and he was the, the freaking backup. Because because here's the other guys that were that are above him. Sure. Ryan Jeffers, Mitch Garber, Sean Murphy, Wilson Wilson Contreras, Adley Rutschman, Yiner Diaz, William Contreras, Bo Naylor, Will Smith of the Dodgers, Danny Jansen, Cal Ralph. Those are all good names. That's pretty good company. Yeah. So it's it's I, I don't know how if he'll be able to sustain it next year, but even then, as a backup catcher, if you're like an eighty weighter on screen plus guy, yeah. You got yeah, especially yeah. with him being a solid defensive player, that's fine. Like it that like that's why Austin Hedges has been in the league for almost a decade. Dude can't hit worth a lick, but damn, he can catch. Like that, you can have a very long career in the big leagues if that's what you're able to do because of how important the position is. Yep. All right, Jordan, we've reached that time in the podcast. Just let's go. Let's go. It's my favorite time of the pod every week. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week and score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you have uh, five on the NFL. That's code KCSN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit one or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 or older, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire one uh, expire 168 hours after issuance. Uh, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. That was the 168 hours was very hard to read. Dude, that was wild. <laughs> like, that's seven days, is it not? It, it yeah, I think, yeah, I think it is. And it was spelled out in the copy. Oh, so if, if it was the number, I would have gotten it just fine. But they, they had it spelled out and my brain just 
did not know. <laughs> I was losing it there for a second. I, I understand they need to specify, but it was just like I love that. All. I absolutely yeah. I, I love it, man. You are you are a warrior and like it's a necessary thing and I am known to use DraftKings Sportsbook every once in a while to uh place some bets. So <laughs> no 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 complaints on my end. 14, I'm 14 11 on college football Saturdays and feeling pretty good right now. Oh, man. Nice. Yeah, we're doing pretty well. All right. Let's get to the the negative developments from the 2023 season. We don't need to spend too much time on this because, well, this team lost 106 games. We spent a lot of time doing this. Mine, a lot of it is just injury, to be honest with you. No. Like, Benny getting hurt was devastating because he was one of the few bright spots all year, but he clearly, like, he he never he didn't have surgery last year after he jacked up his shoulder and it just got worse. And with the way the season was going, don't blame him at all. I think he's going to come back and be great in 2024 because, well, his shoulder will actually be healthy. And he was really good for various portions of the season until that happened. Kyle Isbell was great, and then he got hurt, and then it took him a while to get back. But I still like I still think he is, has some value, if nothing else, as a fourth outfielder. Because he's great defensively, he's a slightly below league average hitter, but he hits enough that it's like this isn't a black hole in the lineup at the at this point. So that Brad Keller, for the pure reason that I will always cherish and love spring training, Brad Keller, because I was like, yes, this is the guy. This contract year, he's figured some stuff out, and then it just fizzled out so fast. And I think a lot of it was injury related. He came back. It wasn't he wasn't healthy I mean and it sucks too because he was so close to getting probably a multi-year contract from a team and now I hope he's a non-roster invite somewhere like it, it fell off that fast hopefully he is he's able to stick on with the big league team next year um being fully healthy because I think there there still is a big league pitcher in there it just it didn't happen for him this year and that sucks and then the injuries to Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich, especially Chris Bubich. We were singing his praises at the beginning of April. Like, holy crap, this guy turned a corner. Sweetie and Bo figured something out, and then he tours at UCL. And we're not going to know what he's going to be or if he's going to be able to regain what he found until about the All-Star break of 2024. And then Daniel Lynch is just always hurt, so I really don't know what to make of him at this point. But if he's healthy, I bet he's in the rotation in 24. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I've I've got four things, um, and they're all different players that didn't live up to, I'd say, general expectations. Not mine, not Joel's, just general. Um, Salvador Perez is the first one. He played 140 games, so it's not like Salvador Perez was hurt. All, well, he probably was hurt for a lot of the year, but he played through a lot of the injuries, the minor bumps and bruises that he had, um, didn't have the, the long-term IL stint this year. Hit 255 with the 86 WRC plus, yeah. walked 3.3% of the time. His isolated power was the lowest it's been since 2015. Yeah, he drove in 80 runs. Yeah, he hit 23 uh, homers. But from June 1st until the end of the year, got on base at a 27% clip, 123 ISO. 66 weighted runs created plus. And I, I remember like it was yesterday, and it obviously wasn't the podcast we did where we said Salvador Perez was defying the age curve and he was the yeah. best version of himself. And then literally right after that, as it was almost all season, when we praised people, we chased it was bad. everyone. It was, it was awful. terrible. Uh, first percentile chase rate, walk rate, 16th and batting run value, third percentile sprint speed. The defensive metrics didn't hold after they started off pretty good. So he's 33 He'll be 34 early next season. The contract is bad. Like, it's not to where he's clearly a negative player, but man, in a year where Salvador Perez could have proven that he can last with this next core, he didn't do that. And it's not that he's bad, but he didn't do much to inspire anybody, I don't think. I, I'm i going to chalk some of this up to where I think we're getting to a point where Salvador Perez needs to change the scenery. Like, I'm not trying to wish Salvador Perez away. I'm not trying to say you have to trade him. But with all the smoke that kind of surrounded the trade deadline where there was legitimate talk of like, hey, teams were calling and there was, you know, a deal to be made and Savvy seemed okay with it. Like, yo, he was willing. It seemed like we was willing to waive his 10 and 5. 
and it seems like he's still probably willing to do that. He he reiterated to JJ at Q, like, I want to be here. I want to be a Royal, but I understand it's a business. If a team that wants a veteran presence, a veteran catcher, a guy that has been there, done that in the playoffs, wants a guy like Salvi, I bet Salvi would probably wave his 10 and 5. They'll go play somewhere else. And I'd argue they should listen. And, yeah, I, and I think they will. Yeah. I, I do think they will listen, especially if the right deal is is there. And it won't just be Salvi in that deal because there's $40 million attached. To yeah. On that <laughs> yeah. Like, there's going to be a legitimate move that is made. It's one of the biggest storylines that we're going to be following this offseason. And you'll know because there'll be sirens on the YouTube page of like, hey, <laughs> this happened. Um, but it's going to be interesting to follow because I, you see this happen with guys that are like veterans that have been around a long time. And they just have a weird, like, out of nowhere, not out of nowhere, but like a, holy crap, that was out, that was not out of, no. that was out of character type of season. Sure. It felt that way for Salvi. Like, he was pressing, he's trying to help these guys win. The wins weren't coming, and he just kind of fell out of it. And I, it's not like I'm trying to say that Salvador Perez quit was just giving away a pass. Like, that's not the case. Yeah. You, I think it was almost the opposite, where he was trying to, exactly. to do everything. And I think he just need he might need to go somewhere like a Miami or something like that, where it's, hey, you got all these young dudes around you, you got a bunch of really good pitchers, and you can go win, and you have a chance mm-hmm. to go win. It might just be that scenario. And if that's the case, Salvador Perez is still going to have number 13 retired in you know up there with George Brett in a few years. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Uh, but it is going to be very interesting to follow up. I'm sorry to, I know you had a couple more, but no, you're all good. I, I'll think it in my, yeah. Go uh, com- compared to Salvador Perez, they're, they're not <laughs> that, that level of, right. Uh, right. Uh, of, of talking point. Drew Waters just, we've talked about how none of us can really quit Drew Waters. He, he has these stretches where he looks really good, struck out 31% of the time, a lot more manageable than, than what it could have been. Um, 82 WRC plus on the year, 80th percentile or better and outs above average sprint speed, fielding run value, like good defender, below the average hitter, but the power is always intriguing. He walked 8% of the time that improved after the all-star break. I believe um, he just didn't make a leap. He didn't separate from the pack. Nick Prado separated from the pack, except in the complete wrong direction. 40% man, 40 on the 40%. nose, like, and his bad up is 388. And he hit 232. And he was bottom 10 percentile and expected weighted on base average, expected batting average, expected slugging, whiff rate, strikeout rate, outs above average. Like he was just bad, man. All of Brown. And it's the power wasn't there. The on base wasn't there. The the defense that everyone said, oh, he could be better than Eric Cosper. He's gonna be this actual gold glove guy where he makes the flashy plays and he plays well. And Nick Prado was a bad player in 95 games and he didn't do enough at the triple a level to where i was like okay well he'll be all right and the same guy dylan coleman didn't do it either in 23 games the big league level 884 era the walk to strikeout rate was almost uh one or the ratio rather minor league level walks like nine and a half guys per nine innings the fip was well over five if i remember correctly like neither one of those guys did enough at AAA, and you would think, okay, he's struggling, he'll go down and mash on somebody, and Nick Prado will absolutely go off, Dylan Coleman will strike out a billion guys, and he'll get the control under control, neither one did that. Yeah, Nick Prado, like, if he hit 20 home runs and had the strikeout rate, I'd be like, I'll hold my nose and take it, I guess, because there's at least some power there, he hit seven home runs. And did almost there was almost no power to speak of in the back half of the season when he came back from injury. Drew Waters, I think, is going to be in competition next year, but like he's good enough defensively. There's sure. enough juice that I think okay, you probably can run him out there in center field, and I feel okay with it. I I still think there's more there for him, like more upside still than Kyle Isbell. I think Kyle Isbell just is who he is, which is a slightly below league average hitter, a good good outfielder at pretty much all three positions, and he can hold us out. Like, I think that's fine. I'm not going to quit Dylan Coleman because I still think the stuff is for real. Sure. And he's down at Tread Athletics right now. We posted on Instagram yeah. that he's already down there pitching and throwing, which 
Guys don't do that, like, the second of the season. Quickly, yeah. He was down there quickly, mm. pulling down 106. And I'm like, okay, so he's healthy. Like, because that was yeah. my concern for a lot of the year was that he was hurt and, like, yeah. just couldn't find it. Well, you can't quit, like, the stuff he has. Like, with that fastball, no. you're like, man, it's you, you 90, can't. It's, if yeah. he's back and healthy, it's 98 to 100 with a slider and that sweeper that is just devastating. And if he's able to go down there, because Tread Athletics is the place that kind of fix Cole Reagans, if sure. they're able to smooth out his delivery a little bit, find find a couple tweaks, I think we're I think he can come back in twenty four and be a force in the bullpen. Because I yeah. st- I think twenty what Dylan Coleman for been twenty twenty two is he belongs in the big leagues, and this was just an abject disaster, which mm. speaks to how volatile relievers can be. So I I'll give I'll give him to like the end of May of 24 to like yeah. get back to where he was in 22 and, and we'll see from there, but the stuff is too good. There's no reason to come up on the guy. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. All right. You got any final thoughts before we get out of here? I think we covered a lot, dude. We are going to, I believe next week, close out the season of one Royal way. We're going to have uh, a guest, I believe, and we're going to do some off season planning, some season reviewing part two, stuff like that. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going to try and get someone with an outside perspective that covers the the league at large that, you know, can pr- pr- provide us with some insight and, and so that we're not looking at it as Royals fans. Because that's what we are at our, at, at our heart as Royals fans. We want to believe that they're going to be able to to get out of this. And I think the guy that we're going to we're going to get on, I think he believes because he's a huge Bobby Wood Jr. guy that they can find a way, but I'll be curious to see uh, what he has to say. We appreciate you guys tuning in again. Be sure to like, and subscribe on YouTube, leave a comment with any, any of your thoughts from this season. Keep it relatively not hateful. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We already know what you're going to say. That's we already know what you're going to say, but just, you know, right. Give us something interesting. How about it? YouTube. Yeah. No, like violating YouTube, (laughs) anything here. Uh, but then be sure to follow and subscribe to all you know KCSN platforms on Spotify and Apple Podcasts uh, and any other work we do here at KCSN. It's, it's going to be pretty exciting. So we appreciate the support, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.